Welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have a really unique perspective in insights that Lisa Hayashi, she's the CMO of Safeguard Cyber. But Lisa, you started out Earlier on in your career, you were at uh, a family office and you were managing angel investments for startups. You were in business development. Uh, you've actually been involved in startups through IPOs. And you actually have a pattern that you've seen and recognized that you're going to share with us today on actual growth and exits. And as we were just talking just a second ago, it's actually something that as a CMO, we need to have our sites not only set on revenue, right, sales and revenue, but we need to have our sites set on the overall growth of the company and preparing them for that growth and those exits. So we're, we're excited to have you on today. And if you could maybe just expand a little bit more on your background, and then we'll kind of dig into things here. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm happy to be here today. I, um, I'll i share a little bit, sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I have a non-linear path that I've been on. And so I think that has helped me to gain perspective in many different areas. And when you when you talk about, you know, that um, pattern recognition or that understanding, you know, over time, I think it really starts with um, something that shaped me very early on. And that was uh, joining a startup in Silicon Valley um, in the 90s. Um, when we were disrupting how enterprises networked. So um, very, very amazing technologists and team um, created Fiber Channel, which changed, you know, uh, networks and forever, really. And so I was very young and I joined the marketing team there. Um, and I think I was like employee 30. And so I was able to witness hyper growth. We were on a path to IPO. We had very strong, influential investors that took us on this journey. Um, and we had a really, really aggressive board that kept us, you know, absolutely on target and on this path. And, you know, I had a CEO at one point that would actually physically break the switches from other companies and our competitors. And so, you know, it really shaped me to uh, understand what it took to drive excellence and to, um, you know, to be on that path to hyper growth to an exit, which we did achieve. And it was very exciting. And, and as a very young person, I was able to witness and watch firsthand how executive leadership did things well. Um, definitely there were challenges, but there was a common goal. Everybody rallied around it and the outcome was excellent. And I think that was a really fun way to start off my career and very, you know, and drove a lot of insights for me um, that helped shape me. So. And how does that, if you could maybe today as a CMO and leading, you know, the organization in marketing, how was that affected how you do your job today, how you look at your role and how it impacts the overall company. Well, you know, interesting. So I am still very close with a lot of the people um, that we did that at Brocade with. So the one of the founders uh, has, um, you know, because of his wealth, generated a family office um, where he invested in many, many startups. Um, so after Brocade years, I ended up working with him for eight years in his family office. And so we started working and investing in a lot of different startups in various technology spaces. 
And that was incredible because, you know, while he was a technology engineer, I was a marketer, you know, um, and we, you know, had this opportunity to fund startups and watch and, and help encourage growth in those startups. It was a great learning experience for us. But what we, what I was doing was really observing, um, you know, what it took to grow a startup. You know, it, we had this excellent, you know, it, it experience with brocade, but then, you know, how do you replicate that and, and, you know, what works, what doesn't work, but also I've had mentors along the way. The first woman that hired me, um, she was our VP of marketing. She and I have stayed connected and friends for a long time. The reason I'm telling you this is because I got to go to a milestone birthday. It was an 80th birthday party for someone um, really interesting from, from the brocade days. Anyway, at that event, um, somebody stood up and sort of gave a speech about um, this gentleman's career and timeline um, and things that he's accomplished. And so I got to be there. And I think that was so incredible because it was at a moment, and, I'll, and, and this actually all connects, it was at a moment when Silicon Valley Bank was crashing. And I was very worried about, you know, our... Um, internal team, our leadership team at the company I'm at now, there was things that, you know, challenges that we were having, like any startup has. And I was able to really draw back to that experience that I had so many years ago about, you know, having the right architecture, the right technologists, the alignment with product, the alignment with the growth and team. I call my CRO and, and I, a growth team, right? And he does too. And, and our CEO alignment and all of that sort of came together. And I thought we really need to replicate some of the dedication, the hard work and the perseverance at this moment in our company and in the world, you know, of what we did back in the brocade days. And it was just kind of a really interesting moment to, to look back at that experience. Now, you, you just mentioned something really important. And that was that there's one team, a growth team. Tell me who's on that team and tell, sure. you, tell me why you think it's one team, right? And, and what that means. Yeah, I love it. So, you, you know, I often go to CMO dinners and this is, might be a little controversial, but I'm sitting there and I'll hear so much animosity or, you know, frustration um, around the CRO-CMO relationship. And, um, you know, I feel very lucky that I don't have that experience um, now. And um, I usually don't when I'm working in companies. Um, and I think that what this means is that you have to create a strategy, a plan, and you have to do that with your key stakeholders. Your CEO has to have the buy-in. Your CRO has to be bought in. Your marketing team has to be 100% bought in. And when I talk to my marketing teams and my agencies, you know, my message always is that we serve sales. We serve the sales team. Now, when you serve a team, it doesn't mean you let them drive every decision. It means that with a strategy in place, with a plan, you help them be successful all the time. So it's not us against them. It's that more often than not, we know how to use the marketing technology tools much better than they do. So we always need to train. We always need to identify 
who is successful, highlight the wins with the sales team, empower them. And, you know, when we do those kind of things, you know, it really drives um, collaboration and, you know, support from the top. The CRO, the CEO are seeing us create wins, seeing us build trust with the sales team. And that works really well. And then the other piece I think that's critical is that we are very careful about the metrics that we report every level of that revenue team, that that growth revenue team. So for example, you know, weekly we'll have goal check and we do that with the CRO and the CEO at the table. Once a week, 30 minutes, here are the metrics we're tracking, here's what we're doing, and here's our plan for next week. And, you know, because everybody knows the overall strategy. Then we meet with our, just our marketing team, and we go at a, at a very deep level of, of granular metrics that we're tracking together, right? And then we also have a weekly meeting with the sales team where we deliver metrics that we're tracking together, things like SQLs, things like opportunities create. Um, in our world, we've done away with MQLs. We will only give sales the right leads that, they're, that are accepted. And an SQL in our book is a first meeting completed because if we don't deliver them the right leads, they're never gonna have a good first meeting. And then we look at the rate those first meetings convert to opportunities. And it's really simple, but it works really well. Nobody complains that the leads are cred, that you know, just everyone <laughs> knows that we're delivering them what we've all talked about many times. And now you're yeah, you said so much that I'm on the edge of this my seat and I've got about 10 questions to ask here. All right. Weekly meetings, there's accountability that comes with that. And when we talked before, oh, yeah, it was very much about that you're very data-driven. You want to be a data-driven CMO that puts accountability throughout that growth team, right? Tell me a little bit about how you work with those regular meetings, the data, who's responsible, you know, what are you looking at? Like, give us a little bit of kind of a peek under the hood, if you could, in terms of how you orchestrate that. Absolutely. So um, we have a sales meeting and I'll just start there. Okay. And so, like I said, we report out on, you know, SQLs, SQL conversion, leads delivered. Um, you know, also um, we might report on how content's doing, all of those things, right? Um, that's interesting to them that they care about, you know. Then the next thing that we do is we give them SLAs. Every week, the sales team has SLAs, and they're given those SLAs on a Monday. Thursdays, we have an office hours with them. And so that's the point where they have the opportunity to ask any questions, and they can get their SLAs done if they're struggling with them. And they're talking to each other, and they're talking to us. So it's a deeper dive into more of the tactics versus just the numbers and a report out, right? And so it's almost like we give them their assignment and then enough time to complete it. And then we have that feedback loop with them. So we've built trust, they feel successful. And then we're not going week to week, going back and saying, God, no one did the, you know, no one did those blog post sends. No one, you know, did the invitations. 
No one completed their cadences, all of that. It's all there. We can see it all. And the beauty of that is when I'm meeting with my revenue partners, which is the CRO and his VP of sales, um, you know, they'll ask me, like, what do you need help um, with to get the sales team to do this week? Where, where are their gaps? Who's performing and how? I mean, we looked at everybody's performance on the team and, you know, it directly relates to their pipeline generation, their conversion, their growth, right? And so at every stage, you know, we, we definitely can see that traction for each individual. So, you know, we're very lucky in that we are not a late stage startup. You know, we've been around for a while, but we've made some changes to the business and the platform. And we're very, very lucky that marketing has the tools that we do in place and we're optimizing continuously. Um, so, you know, it's fun to show growth um, when, when it exists, but it's also really smart to demonstrate areas where we need to improve as a team. And it's never too late to have that conversation when you're having it every single week. So there's no surprises. What was so, I think, brilliant about these, these service level agreements is you've leapfrogged a problem that so many CMOs have. Here's the problem, and it's documented, that almost two-thirds of content throughout the B2B industry that marketing gives to sales, sales looks at and says, it's not worth the paper or the, or the screen that it's printed on, right? And part of the reason why is because they're not working together, they're not in agreement on that content, but also they're just not aware of the content, right? Yeah. They're not even aware of the content and they're not using it. Guess what? Nobody's going to say that was great content I didn't use. <laughs> right? yeah. They're going to default. And so you've leapfrogged all of that because you've not only created the content, but then you've created the service level agreements of how that content needs to be used. Yeah. That is a partnership. Now I'm getting the idea of this kind of one team. And uh, so in terms of the the weekly meetings and the SLAs that are constantly changing, is that because the constant, what what's the need to change those versus every week it's, it's kind of the same SLAs versus like, is it because new content's coming out or what, like, what drives the changes? That you, you talk about every week? Great question. Yeah. So off, more often than not, there'll be an SLA around um, opportunity create or meetings that you need to have per week to hit your numbers. So we're always tracking that. Like, did the entire team meet this SLA of, you know, 40 meetings this week, first meetings, right? So we kind of look at that because there's a direct relationship between pipeline create you know, an opportunity create in those SLAs. And that's sort of a standard one that we look at where we're like, oh, we fell behind, you know, July was a slower month. This is how, what we need to do to make up for it. Can you guys grind it out this week? And we talk about strategies and then we'll often have, um, you know, an event, an event series or something where we're like, all right, we need a hundred percent compliance. Everybody needs to invite X number of people to this event. We have to hit this number and we're, we will track that over time, but that's like the big push that we have is one of the SLAs. Another is social amplification. So we give you the top three posts or four posts that you need to amplify. 
and, you know, hit that SLA. And so it's just a screen, they'll t- literally take screenshots of their homework on Mondays and then make sure they check it off their list. And so we, and we can see it, right? Because we have all the tools in place. Um, other, the other bucket often is, is content. So this is the new piece of content, read it, read the white paper. <laughs> so, you know, read it and then create your own commentary and share it on social or, you know, so, or, or, you know, deliver to us, um, you know, 15 people in your LinkedIn to follow our company page this week. So just little things like that, that are, that are fairly simple for the most part that just check, you know, they check it off their lists and it works. Right. And if they've got it on a list, then they've got in their mind that they've got to accomplish it. Um, it, it can be very simple, right? Um, that relationship that you're checking. You've mentioned now a number of times content. And if I were to ask you a question, here's the question. How important is content to the overall growth and success of the business? One, not important. Ten, it's vital to the growth and success of the company. What would you say? What would your rating be and why? It's vital <laughs> because, because, you know, everything you hear and see today is around how um, the B2B SaaS company goes to market and how what the buyer journey looks like. And it's so very different. And while relationships are extremely important still, mm-hmm. it takes a long time for a buying committee to get to the human by choice and design. Nobody wants to start a first meeting, right? right. And, and just go right into their um, research, right? They do a lot of research outside of that first conversation. So the other piece that I think is really important, and I think you build it, and I think you're working on it, is, is community, you know, and understanding that that's a big part of, you know, generating awareness for your people, your brand, and your product. And so, you know, if you're going to create a podcast or you're going to create community content and collaborate, all of those things, I think, are critical to, to B2B companies doing well today. And, and if you could kind of tell what segment out for us a little bit, the the content that sparks conversations, that gets people interested. Um, there's a lot and there's a role all throughout the buyer's journey, which is kind of looks like spaghetti these days, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's there's a time for product-related, feature benefit, competitive analysis, like core hard, you know, content that, that sells the product. When you're trying in some of those SLAs and you're trying to get those service level agreements to get those first conversations started, how important and what kind of content is being used to create that that relationship, that that awareness, the relationship where they want to talk to you? What kind of content is that? So there's a few different things that we do that seem to be working. Um, We are seeing a big big uptick in our inbounds and our sales team is using the tools in in a much more effective way than they ever have before. So we can really understand what content is leading people to a hand raise on our site, for example. So we do a lot with blogs. Our blogs, our content 
is um, really well received. We have great read times on our blogs, and you know, usually those are quite you know topical for us. Um, we go a lot deeper, um, you know, on our site with product tours. So we do that self-service product tour um, at your own pace. Um, we're seeing that as a really successful piece of content. Um, that's that's great. Video also really really popular on our site um, right now as well. Uh, you know, and I would say white paper downloads, et cetera, anything we do in collaboration with, um, you know, with our analysts or with other, you know, security leaders often is, is really successful for us. So, you know, there's so many different pieces of content that we do all the time. Um, you know, we do webinars, we turn those into blog posts, we do. So we really try to maximize any piece of content that we have. So if we do a white paper, you know, we will do like six different things to support that white paper. There'll be a blog about it. There'll be, you know, a full pillar landing page on it. We'll do social posts, we'll animate content from there and, and drive that. And so, you know, luckily I'm scrappy. <laughs> so <laughs> we take a good piece of content and we blow it out and we sprinkle it all over the site to watch performance on it. And how important you mentioned, like, you know, things that you're doing with outsiders, outsider uh, subject matter experts, analysts, as an example, other luminaries in the industry. How important is it to have outside perspectives validating the point of view that you have, that you're bringing to the industry? I think it's critical. We, you know, we definitely drink our own Kool-Aid. And yeah. that's it, Card Cyber. <laughs> and you know, we believe in, in our mission and our product and what we're building, but nothing is more effective than when you are being referred or people are talking about you, or more importantly, they're talking about the problem that you're solving. Yeah. And, you know, it's really great because last year um, there was something that happened in the market where, um, you know, there was a need for our product. And uh, so we helped have some folks in the financial services industry solve the problem. And we did it well. And so we've literally had 15 referrals over the last four months to solve the same problem. So like 15 is a lot in yeah. a small time, you know, a small period of time. And, you know, we haven't had a close or win rate that successful ever at this company. And so, of course, you know, they brought us to an event asked us to speak at an event with their peers um, and they did the testimonial. We've created content with them incited, you know, the solution. And so it's been, you know, it's been critical for our business to do that and have that reach go beyond just our own voice, but others as well. Because no matter what, your own voice is still the voice of the company that's selling, right? And so it's always critical to have this outside perspectives and oh, validation yeah. say, we're on the same page. Yeah. We think the trend is going in the same direction, right? That gives authenticity to your brand and to your voice and, and what you're doing. Oh, there's so much that we're, we're covering here. Um, what I wanted to do, though, is go back just a little bit. And the idea of the data-driven CMO, if you could... Kind of put into perspective for us, because 
you're scrappy, right? You got the the background, the investor background, the startup background, the everything. How important is the data to creating the glue between the different members of the team and buying them in? So I know that I trust my hunch all the time, right? <laughs> so, you know, my gut or, or those things, those are important. But, you know, when you are starting to work with people for the first time, say you have a new CEO in place, um, you know, they they respect you. Obviously, you're there for a reason. Um, but, you know, for me, I would say I don't approach a situation with my CEO or my CRO and say, hey, guys, I have a feeling that this is going to work. Like, it just doesn't work out well for me. And so I don't do that. <laughs> right. So I've always approached those type of conversations with data. I'll have done my homework, um, you know, even down to little things. Like if you want to talk about, should we change the color of our logo, right? I, I mean, that's just a silly example, but it's like, why? What data supports it? What direction is creative going? Are we aligned? Are we different? What are the reasons we're doing this? And then you present that and have the conversation. It's a much different conversation. If you walk into it, feeling that you're prepared you understand the rationale behind what you're trying to accomplish. And with data, it's very difficult to not get a head nod or support. So I just like, you know, have operated that way always um, and feel really lucky because I do, it does, it does produce really good relationships in the company. Um, so, you know, I have a team that does the same thing. I'm really lucky that way. Um, you know, I have support that they come to me and they're like, here's the data. What should we do? If there's no data, I don't, you know, it takes me, I don't make decisions usually I noticed. Right. And so I feel like I'm, my peers operate the same way at the company, which is good. So, you know, it, sometimes we'll have a, a moment where we don't all agree on something. And so then I really think about it and I'm like, okay, I'm so sure about this opinion I'm having. I have to prove it and how th there's no better way to do that than with data to demonstrate what you're trying to convey. It, it goes back to those CMO dinners you're talking about and that antagonistic relationship, right? Okay. Because then it just takes the, it takes the opinion factor away. Right? And the emotion, everybody can, right? Yeah. Also. Yes. So yeah, I think that's where I, I feel like, you know, I may not like how a conversation's going, but then I understand it. If the data conveys that I'm, you know, my goal or my opinion is not accurate. And it happens. I'm not always right. Not very often. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, if with everything that we've talked about here, if there was a, for the, the people that are heading up marketing their organization, if there was a takeaway there was one thing that you really wanted them to know and take away from this conversation. What would that be? Walk in the shoes of your salespeople. Mm -hmm. Just really, really try to understand what they're going through. That empathy is, I think, critical for us to be successful together. Um, so it will help everyone remove that us against them mentality. And it's, um, and it goes both ways, you know, 
uh, you can definitely ask your CRO, walk in my shoes for a minute, right? Look at look at the challenge I'm having and help me solve it. Let's do this together. So, you know, always bring people along on your journey, but do it with a lot of empathy. And you, you can kind of think that that would be a sign of weakness, right? You know, help me look at my, walk in my shoes, help me solve this problem. It's not, it's actually, it's working together as a team. It's that collaboration and, mm-hmm. and they appreciate it, right? Because yeah. ultimately your success is tied to theirs and theirs to yours. So why not, why not intertwine them? Oh yeah. How do I help you? What can we do in marketing? That's going to make this better. Hey, BDR, uh, your cadence isn't working. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down. What's not working. Let me get on the calls with you. Let me, let me write that email for you, you know, and see if that works better. It takes like just that little bit that builds trust and I think, and builds, you know, a a united front um, with your team. So we talk about building trust and authenticity, right. Um, and, And expertise outside with our buyers. But you're talking about doing that internally within the team. Yeah, it's contagious, I think, um, you know, when you start doing that and, and people want to be around that, I, I do believe for sure. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. If, if somebody had a follow-up question and they wanted to get a hold of you, sure. would, would like a, a link to your LinkedIn profile, would that be a good place to start? That would be great. LinkedIn's great for sure. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's so great to talk to you. Take care, Steve.